Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 55 of History on the Table. Hey, it's Matt. This is episode 56, by the way. Rich, we got a, a big month. I know, we do have a big month. What's, it's what's a short month, on? and we're going to pack it full of stuff. It's a long month. It's full full-length month, right? Are you talking about <laughs> January or February? Yeah, January. Oh, yeah, January's a full month, but... I'm thinking yeah. ahead. I'm thinking of the okay. future. Well, speaking of the future, <laughs> folks, registration is open for Historic Fest, August 15th through the 18th. Next WarCon 5 is back. And we got a whole theme going on this year of a little multiplayer Midwest madness. So, a bunch of multiplayer games. We already have stuff. I know it's six months out. <clears throat> That's crazy. But apparently there's a lot of people like me that are planner planners. We've got events <laughs> selling out. Uh, next we're con. We shook it up a little bit. You know, last year people just assumed they were going to lose. <laughs> so they would like plan like, oh, I'll be done after the first round. So let me book up the rest of the weekend. But then they would win or their opponents thought the same thing. So their opponent would like concede. So it's like three rounds is the bare minimum you'll play if you sign up for next four tournament you'll play friday twice saturday once guaranteed then there'll be a championship round other than that there's all kinds of good stuff going on we have a fantastic new venue it is it is so nice i, I can't wait for it good there'll be a link down in the show notes you can go to historicfest.com all of that information is out there and again early registration is extremely helpful to us when is uh when's the early registration deadline there is no early registration. This just year. so, just do it now. You know you're coming just anyway. Now. Just right. do it. Got, you it. got it. Yep. Yeah, lots of lots of good stuff. I'm I'm already trying to work out how I can make Winter's Victory into a, into a multiplayer game. Is that the uh, Napoleonic one from New England Simulation? Yeah, my copy should be here tomorrow. Nice. That's exactly that one. Cool. I think it could divide divide up pretty nicely, but that's kind of what I'm workshopping right now for for Saturday. Nice. We'll see. We'll see. We got, got a long way to go, but I want to know what I'm playing. All right. We have the annual History on the Table Discord server does the Every War Game Ever list. The, we'll check in and do a full rundown of that, but we're th- through the first round. Yeah. <clears throat> so we do a little uh, bracket challenge and all that. Uh, we'll talk about those results, how it's going, but uh, the winner gets a nice little prize at the end of the whole deal, and we just open it up to anyone on the Discord to go vote every day. There's a couple options. It's always a lot of fun. I'm probably already out of it. <laughs> I was too because I voted with what I know to be the actual best game. <laughs> haven't been too many surprises so far. No, no, there haven't. Uh, any other news, Rich? No, not for me. Yeah, nope. no. I think that's it. I think we, we need to get down to the business. we got a lot to talk about tonight. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. I mean, I, it's only been a month, but it feels longer for whatever reason, mm-hmm. so... What have, been, what have you been? Oh my gosh, what have you been playing, buddy? <laughs> so, it looks like I haven't been playing that much, but really, I've just been playing a lot of one game that <laughs> we're going to talk about later on tonight. Um, <laughs> yes. But besides that one game, I have played a little bit of Downfall, so mm. um, not even really enough to to make an informed opinion about it yet. But I have been playing it a little bit, and I'm excited about what I've seen so far. Yeah, that's good to hear. You're excited. Yeah. Obviously, like I said at the end of the year episode, I'm a, I'm a big fan, and well, well, we'll talk about Downfall later. I've been playing the pants off of things. 
January was a was a great month, um, in in part just because I wanted to play a bunch of things and some new additions to rally the troops. Uh, let's start with a little game called Vileki Luki. Luki, <laughs> Stalingrad of the North, designed by Michael Taylor from Legion War Games. So I haven't heard of this one. So this is a very straightforward, very rules light, like four pages. It's almost just bread and butter hex encounter. What's cool is the topic, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't—I knew nothing about, but apparently it's Stalingrad of the North. Uh, so this was a, a battle to liberate Vlaki Lucky in 42-43. And the, it's, it's just got interesting terrain that allows for like interesting strategic decisions to be made. It's really small footprint. It's probably about, I don't know, 12, 15 hexes long by 10 hexes wide uh, with a bunch of river and, and other, other stuff in a very fortified German held city. Look, it's not anything that I would necessarily write home about, but for 16 bucks and something that you can rip open in the mail and be playing within like 15 minutes, it's not bad. It's it's certainly not the it's not like the best thing I've played over the month, but it's it's far from the worst thing I've played hmm. uh, over the month. Coffee shop game? Yeah, I mean it's that small. Yeah, yeah. maybe not like on a tiny table. And, and again, it it is run-of-the-mill hex encounter but it, it is so well put together and it plays so quickly i mean i soloed it i don't know if you could like you couldn't play it to completion in under an hour unless you like really were whizzing through so as long as you're okay with me at the coffee shop for an hour yeah if i'm gonna pay five bucks for a cup of coffee i get the <laughs> table for an hour well, let's talk about case on 68 so this is from decision games and I forgot who designed it, but it's part of like a small game line of games they have. Again, I I should have maybe put more work into this, but also I probably shouldn't have. So this is a solo only game. Uh, it's designed by Joseph Miranda, and it's Quezon. And what's what's kind of cool is you have this AI deck for the Vietnamese, and you're flipping over cards, and it tells you what to activate, and it adjusts the time. So time will go up and down based off you have a whole menu of cards you can select from, and those cards may be one-time use, or they may go back into your little portfolio you can select from, but everything's manipulating time. And if the time track ever reaches zero, that's the end of the game. The problem is this game isn't balanced at all. And so what I was just doing was dumping all of my Air Force into any hex that I could, and then just running the clock down to zero. Like, my first card draw didn't do a lot for the Vietnamese, and it's like... Well, if I just like kind of speed up and don't get a lot of things that make the time go up to keep the game longer, like I can just take these highway hexes and maybe go capture one hill and that's enough for a win. It was like there was no interesting decision with there was no tension. That That's a better word, because I actually really like the you have a grip of cards mm-hmm. and some of them will always be available to you, but sometimes they're burned once. And, like, just having a deck that, that's easy to play for the AI is always good. Like, you don't have, like, any, like, cumbersome steps you have to take to run the AI. So, like, as a whole, the series design is actually pretty good. The Quezon game has no tension and is imbalanced. And I've actually heard some of the other games in the series are, are much better. When you say series, you talk about their, their folio games? Mini series is what it's called. Oh, okay. And I think someone recommended the Suez game okay. um, as being pretty good. But... 
Whereas Lucky Lukey, well, I, I understand I'm butchering that name every time I say it, is, is decent. Kason is 100% forgettable. <laughs> so, Rich, have, have you ventured on to like, rally the troops much over the last month? <laughs> so I just keep going on there to see if Plantagenet's up there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Well, you may have noticed. I think Waterloo's been up there for a couple months, but Table Battles got added. Yeah, I did see that on there. And table battles is a lot of fun. I've played the dinosaur table battles with my wife like, okay. a good amount. I like playing it on Rally the Troops, but it's such an in-person game. If you're not familiar, table battles is like combat Yahtzee. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are rolling dice and assigning them to cards, and the dice you roll allow you to carry out certain capabilities, and if you defeat enough of the enemy and they lose morale and they win. It's it's super light, but it, it gets, yeah. with some of the abilities, it gets a good like theme across, but it, it's combat Yahtzee. Yeah, and you're it's interesting. I, I've played it a decent amount. Um, the, the the fun in it is that you're not just... So you're using dice to defend and dice to take away your opponent's attacks. And there there actually is strategy to it, mm-hmm. even though you're just always just chucking dice. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it makes you feel like a military commander, but <laughs> no. there's definitely strategy to it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just fun. I mean, it's a fun yeah. dice chucker, and it's a fun twist on it. I think you lose a little bit playing async. Like I don't mind because it's like I have other games on rallying the troops. Yeah, it'd be like a fun live game, which Dinosaur Table Battles has been to like see your opponent's reaction as the shenanigans happen and you roll terribly. All right, the real game I want to talk about, Rich. All right, here we go, Rich. I'm not being facetious here, and I've <laughs> I've made some bold claims over the past couple months. I I legitimately mean this. And I was very skeptical of this series. Waterloo Campaign 1815 by Mark Herman is probably the best rules light, small footprint, whatever, mag. I don't want to say magazine game because there's big magazine games out there. But you get what I'm saying. Quick playing game I've ever played. It is fantastic. Really? I'm thinking like the highest thing we have on game, right? This is a C3I game. Okay. It's based off the Gettysburg game that Mark Herman did and okay. the same system that Rebel Fury is using. Okay. So Operation Pegasus is a magazine game that p- takes a while to play. That's the probably the highest like small footprint game, if you will, on our list. It's kind of stretching it there. The next one below that, I think, is Red Flag Over Paris for like a small game. Just like real quick glance. And this kind of knocks the socks off. Mm, it's like right there with Operation Pegasus, but Operation Pegasus is a more is a deeper game. This plays much quicker. Uh, and if folks, if you're unfamiliar, the, the interesting thing about this series is when you're doing man- maneuvering, when you're moving, you can move as much as you want until you enter the zock of an opponent, uh, like an infantry. If inter- infantry imp- enters a zock, they stop, or until your opponent passes. But if your opponent passes, let's, let's say he draws up his combat lines, like I'm good with these, I pass. Then you'll roll a dice and you'll have X plus that die roll where X is determined by the round. That many more moves left. So it's this game of almost cat and mouse, but you don't really know who the cat or the mouse is. This game of maneuverability until things are finally locked into place. And with, I don't believe this is in Gettysburg. With Waterloo, your HQ's like can be on a maneuver side or a combat side mm-hmm. if that's in gettysburg i apologize i just haven't played it and they may contribute um to battle depending on what what form you have them in uh i've been churning games of these as much as i can i love this game it's addictive 
and just super snappy uh really light rules combat you just like, like are looking at stars on, on the counters and you tally them up and you may get something for like being in a, a town or some rain might come along to make artillery less effective which is just a die roll modifier you're not really tracking artillery super recommend it you can go play it on rally the troops in time to get rebel fury which should be shipping next month uh big fan really nice. big fan yeah i saw Rebel. you've been talking about it but i haven't played that one yet so i'll have to check it out yeah i, ca- I kind of kept saying like it's one of those games like oh, i should fire up a waterloo game now it's on rally the troops but like i'll just be like pushing the buttons around and then like i someone asked on the discord if, if anyone wanted to play i was like All right, at the beginning of the year i'm gonna read the rules it's like oh this okay this is better than what i thought this system would be uh, yeah i i recommend it nice and it's super fast like you can knock the rules out in no time rules who needs rules who needs rules <laughs> well we may not need rule books but we need books rich i've been reading so much <laughs> yeah this looks great all right tell me about white sun what's that yeah so actually mitch recommended this one white sun war um it's a it's a book about it's it's like next war taiwan in a book basically okay. um so it takes place in I want to say 2028 i think um and it's told from a historical point of view it's not great um it's interesting it definitely makes you want to play next war taiwan um it's he does have some pretty cool ideas of what warfare might be like between two superpowers you know four or five years down the road um you know lots of ai lots of drones lots of stuff like that so i i think he could just the writing itself he could do a little better description there's just like too many times where instead of describing a battle he has people talking about the aftermath of the battle so there's a little bit of that but overall it's a pretty good book it's not great but it's pretty good i I enjoyed it nice um and then another one that i'm reading right now is the battle of britain by james holland who is an author that i like and um you know i went into this actually thinking that it was just going to be kind of about the air war but like he goes all the way back to the beginning of world war ii he's he's uh, a very big into context so um yeah but it's it's good it's you know from it's it's from a british point of view um everything sort of leading up to the time of uh like the the invasion of France leading up to Dunkirk and then the air war. So um, that's sort of the heart heart of the book, but it's it's good as well. Very good. So I also returned to an author that we are both fans of. Uh, there's a new version, this one narrated by him. Of oh, really? Plantagenets. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. New audiobook version. Dan Jones, the Plantagenets, Warrior Kings and Queens Who Made England. Yeah, I actually thought about reading this one again because obviously we're playing that game now. So, right. Is this the first so, time you've read it? This is the first time I read okay. Plantagenets. I interrupted, the, <laughs> reading way too many good books. First, I had to binge a reread of Catch 22, which was amazing. Finished that. I had started Plantagenets, finished Catch 22, and then I was like, I want to go read uh, War of the Roses again. So, you have so, read that one, though? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I read War of the Roses. Gotcha. Um, but then I was like, I want to read some more of the roses for Plantagenets, the game. But now I am back to the Plantagenets, which is significantly longer than than War of the Roses. But it's it's the same Dan Jones. It takes a potentially like a super interesting period of history, 
that I know Jason from Advanced Central Combat has like described as real life Game of Thrones. And that's exactly what it is. So it's a really interesting piece of history, but you have so many like actors and like family lines that it has the potential to read very boring. It's what I've always assumed and just makes it very digestible. Dan Jones is an excellent writer uh, and Plantagenets is ringing true. I'm greatly enjoying it. I'm almost certain I'll rate this a five when I finish it. Yeah, it's a good book. Dan Jones. I mean, Dan Jones, you just, you can't go wrong with him. That's interesting. though. I don't, uh, I, I kind of like to hear him read it. It's just to <laughs> hear it in his voice. He's better than the, the War of the Ring narrator, which he was great too. But, and then I had a hold on the Templars also by Dan Jones come up at the library, but it expired because I was like, well, I'm, I'm reading so much stuff um, and have a long way to like half a Plantagenets to go still. Uh, so I will renew the Templars and dive into that because i'm really enjoying dan jones as everyone should nice all right so i'm excited about a lot of things this month but rich Mm -hmm. what's got you hot-blooded what are you horned up for so i am all horned up for something that i am finally going to get to do this saturday i'm going to learn to play war of the ring very jealous yeah so yeah mike it's funny i was over at, at mike's house um a few weeks ago i think it was actually the day we recorded last playing Pericles and we were talking about war of the ring. And even if I was joking with him, you know, about how, you know, he takes every game and he's, he's one of those guys that likes to tinker and make games better. And he said, every game except for one. And I said, what game is that? And he said, war of the ring. And I said, Oh, do you not like that one? He goes, no, it's already perfect. (laughs) Oh, wow. So it's like, okay, well, I've been wanting to play this game, but you definitely have to teach me now. And yeah, I'm going over there this Saturday and he's going to teach me. (laughs) He messaged me on discord today. He's like, well, how much experience do you have? Which expansions? I'm like, I'm starting from zero. And he sent me like six player aids and he's, he's like just bombarding me with information. So he's, he's even more horned up about it than I am, I think. So I'm really looking forward to it. Very good. That's on my shout out to our office manager, Patrick, with the 2024 hot bod resolutions war of the ring is on my uh two play resolutions which i'm making great progress on yeah i should have put it on there now that i think of it just i mean it's 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 been on my sort of bucket list of games that i should have played by now so yeah i'll count let's talk about that we should put that we should put on the list or something because that it's long overdue on our list and obviously based off reputation makes me think it would short shoot up towards the top okay well i'm gonna mention mark herman again (laughs) <laughs> Here, here's the deal if if you missed the january gmt update which we're not going to talk about because it was almost two weeks ago but you can go to gmtgames.com and check it out and all that stuff <laughs> shipping this month i'm going to double dip i'm going to count two games and i'm going to couch this as just mark herman civil war so i got to give a shout out to wa wilson who has been the final push for me to finally try for the people and I have that on P500. So the the new printing, the 25th anniversary edition for the people is coming out. Should be shown at mid-February. And then at the same time as shipping is Rebel Fury. Rebel Fury, of course, of course, is a collection of scenarios of the Waterloo game. And then if you're unfamiliar with For the People, it is a uh, oh, it's a card-driven game. It's, it's like an all-time classic. Yeah. Right? I mean, For the People has been around for so long. And when I tell people... So many times when I tell people, oh, I love the U.S. Civil War. It's my favorite game. It's usually, like, oh, have you played For the People or have you played the Civil War? Like, it's always, which, you know, Mark Simonich credits both of those games that played a big role 
and influencing some of the design choices for us of war so uh very excited to finally dive into for the people and it's like 45 bucks which is that's pretty good value i think for like an all-time classic like or I, not even whether it's an all-time classic or not just like for a war game these days uh oh, 47 sure. bucks just yeah. seems like a great deal do you know is there is there a, like a family history for the people going back to we the people are they similar or are they i know they're both mark herman they're both card games are they similar or are they I think totally I like different? looked into that a little bit. They're, I think they're completely different. Like okay. I, I just think they just happen to share similar names. Okay. Because I've played We the People, but I haven't yeah, played For and, the People. Well, and, well We the we People, the people is, is Washington's War. Yeah, that's Washington's yeah, it, War. Well, yeah, yeah they we the redid people. the combat system right, from what right, I understand right. and made it Washington's War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Just not that they are exactly the same, but Washington's War, War's lineage is We the People. I yeah. do not know the link of We the People and For the People. Okay. So, I was just curious. It's fine. Someone could tell us, I'm sure. Uh, For the People, I think, predates We the People. Nope. We the People first. Look at that. Okay. And uh, and I'll look it up. Yeah. So, Mark Herman Civil War in February. Probably gets me by March, but that's what I'm looking forward to. But I'm also a little bit jealous of your War of the Ring. <laughs> well, you come I join us. Care. That's true. Rich, we have another game. Oh, we're not going to talk about it. Well, we are. Rich, do you know what time it is? <laughs> what time is it? It's a war game game. Oh, okay. We're going. We have have done this in a while, I don't think. We haven't. It's the war game game. It's the game of games. Rich, come on down. Here's how it works, folks. Rich has a 10-point countdown point tally thing. Basically, if he gets the game without any clues, he gets 10 points. If I give him one clue and he gets the game, he gets 9 points, and we... Keep going until Rich says, "Just give me the rhyme." Yeah, I think you'll get this one though. Uh, what's your What's your first guess? Um, we've been talking about Napoleon, so I'm going to say uh, "Fallen Eagles." Nice. No. No. All right. Th- this game came out in 2023. Oh, new one. Okay. Yeah. That's the clue. That's the clue. Game from last year. I really have to pull back on this game. That's that, like there's a freebie <laughs> for you. Like I really have to pull back. There, it would be way too obvious if I did it. Okay. Um, what came out last year? Uh, Men of Iron, Norman Conquest. Stop. Is that right? It's right. That yes. Nine. I was like, man, what? What's a game that I know Rich will know that I can mess with him? I'm like, give you the artists and like maybe give you the publisher and just like pull back and like obviously hold back designer hold back series hold back time period i was just gonna like make it as hard as possible but like a dead simple game damn it this is the best day ever i love it ah nicely done yeah that's that's what i get for picking something we're going back to the oddballs next month i don't want to hear any of you on discord saying you beat me this month yeah I don't know. There's a good chance, like Patrick, yeah, or or Andrew, or, or like Rob, those guys who are like way into Men of Iron and are a little <laughs> upset that Men of Iron's out of the tournament already. Like maybe they will. Yeah. Nah, they'll probably heartbroken and be like, "There's no way it'll be Men of Iron." Then <laughs> they'll ah. Well, there you go, folks. Well, <laughs> it doesn't make for much of good content if you get it on the first one because then there's like no like. <laughs> yeah, that's that, all those ones that I messed up all over the last couple years. I was just doing that for content's sake. I knew all those. Yeah, I knew all those weird artists from 1983 games that you that's mentioned. Right. <laughs> right. You wanted the listeners to yeah. feel smart. Yeah, I did. 
That's right. Uh, I love it. You know what else I love? <sighs> Talking about Levy and Campaign. That's right. Specifically, tonight's featured game. It's a long time coming. Yep. It's actually not that long time coming. We only started talking about this game a couple months ago. <laughs> we get a good one. Plantagenet, Cousins War for England, 1459 to 1485, designed by Francisco Gradaye, a.k.a. Paco, art by Robert Altbuer and Matthew Wallhead. This was released by GMT Games in 2023. Rich, tell us a little bit about Plantagenet. Yeah, so this is a game about the War of the Roses. It is the Levian campaign system, uh, which is, this is now, I believe, the fourth game out. So we've already talked about Nevsky and Amoravid. We have not talked about Inferno, but that would have been the third one, and this is the fourth one. Yep. So the War of the Roses was, like you saw in the little subtitle there, the Cousins War of England. It was a couple of very rich families arguing and killing each other over who had the right to be king. Um, so... The game itself, um, it's a it's a one mapper. Um, I think it's all mounted. I know mine is mounted. I don't think it comes any other way. Um, not a whole lot of chits. Everything fits easily into one tray. There's some wooden bits that mark, um, you know, your the locations of your armies, and then you've got little battle board, not battle boards, but um, boards that, for your lords that. Um, you can, you know, keep your troops and all your supplies on and everything, as well as some, some privacy screens, which I highly recommend playing with. You don't, mm-hmm. there, it's an optional rule, but the game is just even better if you don't know how many armies, <laughs> how many troops that guy has as he's approaching you and you have to make a decision whether to go into exile or not. Um, the game itself is similar to the the previous ones, at least the two that I've seen, um, but it, it does build on it in some important ways. If you've played a lot of Nevsky, you'll know that most of Nevsky is fought with sieges. So you're, you're, the basic move is just to bring an army up, sit there, starve the guy out. Um, you don't see that many field battles in... Um, uh, in, in Plantagenet, it's... There's no sieges. Um, everything is either it, you either go into exile or you fight a battle. Those are your only choices. And going into exile is not really that bad. Um, you will you'll lose some influence. You'll um, it'll take you a couple a turn to recover from, but it's not really that bad. It's much worse to get killed. <laughs> um, the the points in the game, the way you win the game is actually by having influence. So the battles are not a way to take control of land. They're really a way to get influence points. Um, taking control of land is a way to do that as well. But so you're, you've got an influence track, everything in the game, as far as the points are like when you're counting number of cities and towns and forts, everything is two sided. So you've got the, the whites and the reds, the, uh, Lancastrians and the Yorks, and you can just flip it over. And then there's a, a point differential an influence point differential that, usually starts at 40 depending on the scenario and then goes down the more turns you play. So um, once someone surpasses that total, they have won the game. There's a bunch of scenarios in there. Really, you can... Well, well there's there's three main ones and two yeah, trial there, ones. And well, there's, there's one that links the three main ones together. Yeah, there's a bunch there's of light three. ones. But yeah, I mean, so there's a bunch of little ones that sort of teach you how to play the game. Like lots of... If, I don't know how many 
I didn't play that many of them because I always just usually skipped to the campaigns. Um, like you said, there is a campaign that links everything together. I haven't played that one either, but on that one, you can actually play up to a point and depending on it's, it plays like a campaign where the next area is set off of the first, or you can just play from the beginning or from the middle, or, uh, there's probably something at the end too. Um, I've played the, the beginning and the middle scenarios both quite a bit. So those, that's where my experience is, but they all kind of play the same. It's, it's really just which Lords are on the map at which times. Um, and there are often some special roles such as, you know, when this Lord comes in, this guy has to leave, I guess, historically, cause they hated each other and stuff like that. Yeah. I think just if you're completely unfamiliar with the levying campaign, it's, it's a point to point map. Um, a big element of this is supply and transport. Now, if you have played, played some levying campaign, like with Nevsky, uh, you know that there's different types of transport here. It's mainly carts. You also get some ships that are used and are explicitly limited, um, in the amount of counters as ships, and you can only have two on a Lord Max, but mainly it's cart movement. W the way transport changes here is transport is handled by type of road you're on, so highways you can move twice on, or as paths like take up your whole turn if you're going to move on a path. And there's, mm -hmm. You can give abilities to your lords that, that affect those things, and uh, that supply is a huge component of the game because every time you move, you have to feed your army. And then a, a huge component of... of Plantagenet is coin and taxing. Now, coins <laughs> always been present in levying campaign, but usually you're using coin to extend the service limit of your lords. What's great about Plantagenet is that whole puzzle of trying to keep your lords on the map and keep them alive so they're not removed from the game for good. Don't get me wrong, your lords will die because you'll get them in battle and they'll lose a death check. But there's no term limit for your lords. Instead, taxes are paid at the beginning of each round. And if you don't have the money, you're going to go get the money. You're just going to piss a whole lot yeah. of people off. And so <laughs> apparently the people do not like it when the soldiers pay their and collect the money themselves. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And so Rich kind of talked about how areas will change control. And that, that's a huge part of this game. I think I talked about when I when I first started playing Plantagenet is you take the levying campaign core and you make significant changes sieges are out battle simultaneous we'll get into all that stuff but then you add this area majority game so the fact that you're pissing off everyone around you and taxing them you're yielding control of all of the surrounding um yeah points that you're touching so you're yielding control of those that's that's but, huge but and the, giving up influence the cool thing is even even when you're just trying to get people on your side, you're always spending influence to do yep. it. So you're you're having to give up influence to get something that's going to get you influence. So there's a, a give and take to everything. And if you try to spread it too far away or with a guy that's not very influential, you're going to end up just wasting it. Um, and yeah, so it's obviously you don't want the soldiers rampaging in your own lands, but everything you do almost is going to take influence yeah yeah influence become influence which is victory points like rich explained is this crucial currency for everything you're you're trying to do um and so just like living campaign you'll be levying for different abilities on your lords different troops uh what's really cool here is you will deplete areas on the map so if you use an area for supply if it's not a port again there, there will be uh you know slight differences in the rules depending on the location but generally speaking 
it'll get depleted the first time you use it. If you use it again, it'll be exhausted. And that cuts it off for both players. And that's true if you tax it, and it's true if you use it for troops. So not only are you vying for control of all these territories across England, you're also manipulating them for your own personal use um, to eventually like get into combat with each other. And combat in this game is very bloody. Um, Rules-wise, in terms of writing the rules, it's a subtle change, but it's a major change in, in terms of how combat plays out. But combat is simultaneous here. Uh, I believe Inferno was the same way. I'm almost certain that the first three games of Levine campaign were defender strikes first yeah. there's still an order to it um you always do still do ranged first and then melee but yeah. like you said those are both done simultaneously and that makes things very bloody and it makes combat a little less clear um if you go in on equal forces obviously before you'd have a huge advantage to the defender that's gone um, rerolls, which are awarded from Valor on your lords, it's a new stat, um, allow you to reroll any die roll you want. So you have this kind of super force called your retinue. But if your retinue ever retreats, even if you have 30 guys on your lord's map, which wouldn't happen, if your retinue retreats, so if you're using him to soak hits, um, then your lord's done. Mm-hmm. And again, and if you you're familiar with a higher chance of dying. Yep. And well, anyway, you route, I think you're your way of dying is the same how combat works in levying campaign is let's say rich has six longbowmen those six longbowmen automatically inflict 12 hits two ranged hits per longbowman is how it works out and you know each each type of unit has different stats but let's just start with that so i then have to roll and survive against those 12 hits and i pick one unit and maybe my militia only live on a one well my retinue is going to live on a one to four so you, you like to use them but you lose them so hits are always automatic what you're rolling for in combat is to see if your defender lives it's a little it's it's different than anything else we've really played other than levying campaign there's no um you know there's no crt or anything like that it's here's the hits now you start choosing between your forces how you're going to start soaking those hits. Those units won't necessarily die. You roll to see if they live later. But if all of those guys get hit, then your lord routes and the battle's over. One of the differences if you've played Nevsky is the way they do vassals and, and mustering. So um, instead of... The, you can, uh, assuming there's the you know everyone's in the right place on the map and the timeline and everything you can muster lords just like you do in in nevsky and they'll get their own mat and everything but you can also muster vassals and um either side can potentially muster a vassal so a vassal kind of acts like another retinue it's i mean not mechanically he does. You know, you get you get a chit on your board that lasts for a certain number of turns and he gets to do some hits, but it's a much simpler way of adding forces to your army. So that's a, that's a difference too. And I like it. Um in general, I the combat is is much more streamlined. It it goes faster. Um there's not as many pieces. You know, you don't end up with a bunch of wooden pieces, a bunch of knights and militia and bowmen and stuff like that. You have, you know, you you'll get a decent amount at some point. Um and then, but then every winter, you know, you're, you're going to get screwed if you've got a big, huge army as my daughter found out the hard way one time, um, because they'll all just, you know, winter time, your army basically just resets. Mm-hmm. So if you've got, if you've been, spent a couple turns building up this huge army, they're like, well, you know, it's Christmas. I'm going home. Mm. <laughs> 
yeah i'm trying to think like big picture wise anything else that i mean there's lots of little stuff that i want to dive into um but yeah really what this game is is point-to-point movement managing supplies and resources coins provender uh, engaging in conflict conflict and taking over territories yeah that that's one of the cool things too with the supplies and the, the provender and um when you win a battle whether you get your enemy's stuff depends on how much the, the area you're in likes you so if you attack him in a place that likes you you're going to get all this crap if you attack him in a place that likes him you're not going to get anything from him mm-hmm. except for chasing him off the battlefield, which is good. Um, but a lot of times you'll look at the map and you're like, I'm attacking into an area that's in his favor. Is it even worth it? What am I going to get out of this? Which I think is a cool little difference as well. And you can never take coin uh, from a battle, which you, I'm pretty sure you can at Nevsky. This game is just... There seems to be so many different levers, so many things you should be considering. It's streamed, it is a significant change from the past Levian campaign titles. Like, it is very different. Um, but the shifts are all things that I enjoy because it, to me, it has felt like you can be laser focused on combat and you can take your Lord's abilities to focus on those things and go hunt down the Yorks or the Lancastrians, whichever. And you can run in the ma- around the map and, and, you know, just try to eliminate your opponent. Or you can take, like, this turtley strategy where uh, maybe you're going to just try to take over Wales or, you know, South England or, or whatever, you name it. And you're just c- going to try to move it around, spread your influence, and, and build up a base of influence. Yeah. I mean, if you can get Calais, London, and Harlech, that's going to be a lot of influence just from those three every turn. Yeah, and there's also ability cards where you can just like passively get extra influence points, and those things are are threats. They they seem subtle. Um, they seem like oh, he gets you know two points just for if he's outside of London. That starts to make a difference, especially as you're continuously playing paying influence points or losing influence points as the game shakes out. And so it can be pretty significant that if your opponent is has abilities that is giving them, you know, four or five influence points passively on top of all the other influence points your opponent's earning at the end of the turn. I just like that. I think there's a lot of different avenues to explore uh, to achieve victory. I've had games in because no lords on the map because that's how the battle shook out. I've had games in because I immediately resigned because I had one shitty lord left and he had no he had too many troops to pay and I'm just like yeah there's no way all his work just got undone so <laughs> it's it's really kind of brilliant all throughout and the changes on the overall levying campaign design are welcomed for me I do not miss uh, sieges as I said before. Um, it just like as a one-off it was cool but everything just turned to a siege so often in, in yeah. Nevsky and stuff and so departing from that is is very welcomed just in general levian campaign one of the probably if i had to say the one thing i just love about the system is it just really rewards planning um and this mm. game is is no different than the rest of the games in the series from that perspective uh you've got a plan you've got a you know it's it's fun to march around and and try to stomp the other guy with your big army but there's administrative work that has to be done you have to be taxing you have to be getting supplies you have to be doing all the things to keep that army on the field and uh you'll lose very quickly 
if all you're doing is is running around with a death star yeah what's what's nice is that planning is different though because um, like i said there's no limit on your lords the the limit is them running out of troops if, if you run out of coins or you run out of provender you'll survive your your troops are going to eat but then the citizens of england aren't going to eat and they're going to lose their coins so you make everyone mad oh yeah and so it it takes the planning the pressure of oh my gosh like if i don't do something this guy's like going to fall off the map like you can be hyper aggressive if you want to be but there's going to be consequences and some of that planning where that planning is best is there was one night where hector and i fired up three games in a row back to back to back to back i think that's three uh just to do different openings and this is true in each of the three main scenarios with how the initial first off you zoom around this map whereas in nevsky it, it feels like a crawl sometimes with how far you can go oh yeah the fact that highways open it up to two spots in the whole like eastern part of england is, is covered by highways and the south mm-hmm. um and there's you're just a zooming, highway that runs north south as well you're just zooming around the map so lords are constantly within striking distance especially once you start factoring in capabilities and so the opening planning in every scenario is crucial especially the main scenario the first scenario which is called um it's just called henry the sixth uh it's 15 turns it's great scenario you start with each side has two lords um lancasters obviously have henry six and somerset yorks have richard of york and march the deal, though, is right off the bat, um, Henry and Somerset start, start off stacked together. March and York are both within striking distance. And that first turn is so important because let's say you go hunt down York or you hunt down March and they're like, well, I'll just exile because they'll come back right away, which is a great, you know, Rich is alluded to exiling, but when someone approaches you, you can say, nope, I'm out of here. Um, subtract their influence from six that's how many turns they go away and then they'll come back in like scotland or burgundy or france and then they'll come back on the map and even when they're in like scott they can still influence the game and take actions anyways that first turn if you exile york or march you've taken five influence off the board and given five influence to your opponent so plus five to me because rich exiled at the end of that turn you then get your lord's influence well, if Rich exiled York and took away his five, he's only getting two for March, and I'm getting ten. That is a like fifteen point swing or whatever, because I got five for him exiling. You lost five. I guess it's a ten point swing. You lost five by virtue of him not being on the map at the end of the game. And it's I, I know this is like really detailed stuff that I'm going into. But my point is taking into those considerations and the effects of losing your lord just on turn one is very meaningful and then you start factoring in on that first turn you know you get your random capabilities to start the game but then come around to mustering you can get new capabilities and those opening mustering capabilities really set the tone you know if both sides take that passive approach then you're going to round around and start facing influence but if both sides immediately like gun up and get the missiles and, and get the <laughs> maximum mobility and stuff, well, you're going to be in it for a fight. And someone, someone, that opening turn is going to set the tone for one side. Now, the Yorks could run north. The Yorks are going to get the first move. 
but they're not stacked together. So you're only moving one of them. So that's another thing. We didn't mention that. In every scenario, one side is the king and the other side is the rebels. Right. And the rebels always go first. Yeah. And so, in the, in the again, on this Henry the Sixth, the, the Yorks are obviously the rebels that are going first. So, yeah, okay, you're like, I'm going to move York first. And we haven't even talked about this. If you don't know about Levian campaign, it uses the Angola turn uh, system, meaning you craft a deck of, let's just say on the first turn, you pick four cards. And among those four cards, you're going to pick amongst your lords. And so you'll activate those four cards based off the order you set your deck in. Yeah. And you'll go back and forth flipping a card off the deck. Yeah. So Rich may activate York first, but then that leaves March open. If he activates March first, well, I'm probably going to go kill York right away. You know, I mean, it's it's just so interesting, the opening moves and the opening strategies of this game. Yeah, creating that action deck is one of my favorite. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's... Yeah, I mean, that actually, again, actually again, that's great. It, it but even, I mean, that's in every living campaign. The right. opening of Plantagenet is mind-blowing when you start thinking about the possibilities. I love it. It's so, like, even just deciding your lord, which doesn't always feel that important in, in Nevsky. Like, oh, I'm going to do this with him, but the order doesn't really matter here. It's like, oh, man, Henry is going. He's picking up Somerset. And whichever of these two yahoos don't run away, they're dead. I love that. Or not. Or does the York, uh, Lancaster are just like, I don't care what the Yorks are going to do. We're going to unify the South. We're going to build up, and then we're going to go kick their ass. There's like just so much there. It's it's fascinating. It's so well designed. It's almost like a chess opening in all the scenarios. Except the little ones. Little ones don't really count. So good. So you like it, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, really good. I, I really do. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Um, I'm... I never bought um, Almoravid or Inferno. I haven't played Inferno at all. Almoravid. I'm glad I didn't buy it. I mean, we talked about it last year. I enjoyed playing it. Um, and at the time, if someone said, do you want to play it? I would have played it again. I'm going to keep Nevsky, but I mean, it's just, it's, I don't see a reason to play anything besides my Tagenet if I want to play uh, a Leviant campaign game at this point. My Nevsky's gone. Go you got rid of it already? Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. Yeah, I and I don't. I, if Nevsky was, I wouldn't be surprised if I do. Um, I I'm not sure that I'll play it, but I'm holding out to it for now. I would absolutely keep it if it and if if it goes off rather the troops, and I'll just like reacquire it. Like, here's the deal. It's like Mary Kondo and this shit, right? Like, yeah. can it be replaced? Right now, you can get a copy of Nevsky. Can I like? Is do I need it? No. And can I access it? <coughs> yeah, I'll just go play it on Rally the Troops. Yeah, Rally the Troops is amazing. Which is is a shame, like. I just like it'd be really hard if someone's like, let's play living campaign. Now that that'll change when the, the hotness wears off and it's like we're six months away from Nevsky. It's like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to go back to that. I love the Nevsky theme. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but Un- yeah, Almoravid's already out the door. I got out. I got rid of yeah. Almoravid. I like it. I liked Almoravid more in a lot of ways than Nevsky, but um, it's gone already. Not saying you have to get rid of yours, listeners. It's just if someone were to ask me, the answer is going to be Plantagenet for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and when it, I, I'm sure they keep stats on games played and things like that. But I would love to see what what's what's going to happen when it goes and rally the troops. Like, is is it? How much is that going to blow up? Yeah, yeah. Paco says it's it's very very soon i and the capabilities in this game one thematically this game is brilliant 
just with the like pissing people off and the levying uh, vassals on either side and having to tax and drawing troops from you know your own cities and, and paying the cost of oh they're depleted now um, but just the the capability cards are extremely thematic and, and very very interesting it's it's very hard for me every game to when I muster a capability, which if you're unfamiliar, you just go through your deck. It's not random. You just pick whichever one you want and you give that ability to your lord, assuming they can use it. I've gotten to the point, like, instead of searching for it, I'll, like, just pick the, like, top five off and pick from those just to, like, see how they play out. Because yeah. they all feel like they do interesting things. And there's some that are familiar. Like, oh, you get some some really cool troops that hit really hard. Or you get some really crappy farmers mm-hmm. um that just pat out your numbers like we've seen things like that before but oh man i like the one that lets your carts carry twice as much so good <laughs> carry <laughs> twice as much and gets, <laughs> yeah like it's great like you sometimes like when i first started playing is like man i'm getting an abundance of carts because i don't really feel like i have much <laughs> mustering to do right now like yeah. once your abilities are on there you can't get rid of your capabilities so once you're full like you're done taking that action so it's like, uh, I guess I'll get carts. But man, you just get so much supply. It's it's one for one. Mm-hmm. And you got to have the carts to move. You have to have one preventer for your carts, unless you have the ability Rich is talking about, which is you can carry two preventer on your carts. Yeah, there's some really good capabilities. All right, Rich. I have a huge problem with this game, though. You have a problem with it? I, I do. Do you have any problems with it before I... The only only complaint I can come up with, because I, I was trying to think of one, is the area around London gets really busy with counters, especially yeah. when you have to mark influence and depletion. It it gets it gets messy. You nailed it. the The game board is too small. It and it's it's a logistical. And I've used like different Litco counters uh, to make it smaller. Even playing on Vassal it can be unwieldy just trying to like get the right city to deplete it and, mm-hmm. and see where things are pointing to. And what's interesting, this game board is smaller than Nevsky. Is it? I didn't really notice. I know it's just a one mapper, but it is, but it's like a small one mapper. Yeah. I'm almost certain it's, I, I guess I should have compared before I just talked out of my ass. Uh, it's a beautiful map. It is too small. Uh, to almost to the point of being problematic. The game is so good that I don't care. Um, but it, it becomes a little burdensome. It, so, and everyone that I played with and talked to has had that same problem. And I did not prompt you for that response in <laughs> any way whatsoever. Um, but as soon as you said that area around London, St. Albans, St. Albans is huge. That's the first battle of the war of the roses, but yeah, it's a small map. Do you have any other complaints? I mean, that's my only complaint. No, I mean, that's all I could come up with. Yeah. Uh, recommended reading. We we talked about it, right? Dan Jones. Yeah. War of the Roses. Do not like yeah, go read Plantagenet if you want, but don't read Plantagenet. Yeah. Plantagenet's is the time period leading up to this. War of the Roses mm-hmm. is about the fall of the Plantagenets, which yes is what this models. Yes, absolutely. It's a fantastic book. Very readable. Highly, highly recommend it. But you can read them both. Read Plantagenets first, <laughs> and then read War of the Roses. So, yeah. So you yeah. know who these guys are that fell. <laughs> that's right that's right oh man okay well i don't know if we need like a final summary it's levying campaign but it's different it's i've said it it's levying campaign meets area majority 
meets uh, like influence. I like I'm trying to think of like how I, then I mean couch it, the it also meets a really fascinating time in history. Yeah, I mean, and not that. to say that Nevsky's not. But right. even me, like I'm into like, you know, the whole German and Eastern European thing. I'm still more closely connected to the War of the Roses historically. Yeah. yeah. And, and the game captures that interesting time period, yeah. which is important. Um, I think Nevsky does too, obviously. I mean, like we're, I'm, we're talking about like Nevsky's dead. Nevsky's still a top <laughs> 20 game for us. Regardless of where we put this on the list, Nevsky will still be in the top 20. Nevsky's great. But this just does it so well, and it just feels like War of the Roses. Uh, the design book is great. The examples of play, it's just my own personal preference. Like, I would like more background information. than It's a lot of examples of play than very well-written uh, background. It's a little brief. But uh, good playbook, great rule book. I think the rule book was great with how they highlighted the differences. Even if you're new to Levian Campaign, if this was your first one, I think you'd be fine. You might go to Nevsky or something else and be like, whoa, what the heck? This is way different. Yeah. But uh, this would be but, a perfectly fine first Levian campaign. But if you're not new to Levian campaign, the rule book highlights the new stuff really well. Very well. Yep. All right, folks. We have a list. A list of every war game ever made ranked from best to worst. Here's how it works. Rich, you'll hear him in the background. That's him cranking up the little clay wheel. Put each other's blindfolds on. Stepping really step on that play. pedal, get it spinning. That's right. We're in unison. Our hands are out. We merely shape the list. This is completely 100% objective, subjectively. Right now, top of the list is U.S. Civil War. Bottom of our list is Zeppelin Raider. And 74 games. We're adding game number 75 tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I know our floor. It's not it's not Zeppelin Raider either. I think obviously with how we feel, I shouldn't speak for you. I've been very vocal about my feelings. This is above Almoravid. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. the best of Levian campaign. So Right. It's easy to go there. Yeah. And then I think we keep jumping. I think it's above Stalingrad forty two and Atlantic Chase. Yep, no no question there. Okay. So now you're getting into the top fifteen material. Ceiling wise, maybe next war India Pakistan for me. I don't know if you've, you've thought about that. I don't know if you thought about like a definitive spot. So Bo si- said if we put it in the top eight, he'll buy it. I don't know if it's top eight. Oh, did he say top eight? I, I think he said so. Top ten. <laughs> because when he said top ten, I was th- I, I th- for I, for whatever reason I thought he said top ten, and I thought that eh, could happen. Top eight, I yeah. Red, I've got Red Storm at eight. Next, uh, it's not going to be above Red Storm. Um, okay. Next door, India, Pakistan is nine. Um, I mean, we're in the area now. Yeah, and I've played I've played Empire of the Sun now to a certain extent. So it's not like Empire of the Sun is this like great unknown to me anymore. So we know we know our ceiling. Um, we don't have to talk about how like the top six is impenetrable. What about here? I stand in Plantagenet. Yeah, so Plantagenet will not get to the heights of here. I stand a single day with five other people. You know what I mean? Yep. But it's a lot more approachable as well. Two people can sit down and have a blast playing Plantagenet, and that's not going to happen with Here I Stand. I know. I'm not exaggerating when I said we played three games, and it was not like, oh, let's re-rack. One game was let's re-rack because I had one shitty lord, and he had to um, pillage, which Mm -hmm. is where you, you tax all the surrounding areas. And then the next game, I killed him. He had no lords on the map. 
and so then we fired up the third one and, and that one's still ongoing but th- that's what i mean like you can play this is playable in a night if you really push it in yeah uh, and you know oh, what? man, turns just fly by too but anyways I, f- I feel like the game that this is closest in quality to is dnbn foo yeah yeah which is 13 on our list that's yeah so i think i'm I think I would want it to go one slot either way of Dian Bien Phu. Okay. So not above here I stand. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I wasn't 100% sold on putting it above Silver Bayonet. Oh, man. Silver Bayonet's so good. I'm going to play Silver Bayonet again. Yeah. Downfall um, has a vast... Yeah. As soon as, uh, soon as I can get my table cleared off, I need to play Silver Bayonet again. I keep looking at that on the list on number 10 going, holy cow, it's such a good game. I keep thinking about the little missions too, which are totally fun yeah um okay dmn foo so what do you think above or below i would put it above dmn foo is a more unique design there's nothing quite like dmn foo that i've played more asymmetric whereas uh uh, plantagenet is more symmetric yeah and this has the advantage now my understanding is plantagenet did not start as levying campaign i'm not going to knock a game for being something in a continuing series like just look at gcacw it doesn't matter that it's like the 13th game in a series we still love it right but dmbm food does feel like the more unique design uh plantagenet's more fun to me and we've talked about this before like we have this like conversation of fun versus design quality i think they're both designed wonderfully by the way I don't know. It I really doesn't matter one way or different to those two. I mean, I think you kind of nailed it on the head with DMB Foo. I could go either way. It's up to you. Uh, let's put it at 14 then, below DMB Foo. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, it's you're split. we're splitting hairs there. Yeah. It's a top 15 game, no question. Anything getting past Plantagenet is going to have a hard. Now, we have some great games coming up next month. Yeah. But, you, you know, we talked about Axis Empires already being, like, here's a new checkpoint. Okay, you cleared the Axis Empires gauntlet. Well, now you got to clear all this other stuff and you have to get through Plantagenet. And good luck. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's top 14 right now is our tier one game, or tier S if you want to call that games. Yeah, yeah. I think if you asked me personally, I like Plantagenet more than what I've seen from Empire of the Sun, but... I think maybe as a whole, just as a design, like I'm still good with it. I'm just letting like people know how I feel personally. Mm-hmm. Like Plantagenet is just outside top 10. If you scratch Red Storm from my list, because I haven't played it still, uh, Plantagenet's a top 10 game for me. Next year when we do the top 20 list, I'll be on the lookout for Plantagenet. Yeah. Oh, man. Plantagenet's good. Good stuff. Though. It is really good. You know, it's not in our top eight, but you should still go buy a copy of Plantagenet. I agree. It just uh, it just captures where the rose is like what I imagine so well. You know, it's not like it's not Men of Iron. It's not like super detailed combat or anything like that. But it's just an awesome area majority supply game. I, have, uh, you like, played, uh, sorry. have you played Kingmaker? No, I had a copy of the old one, but okay. I gave it away because I haven't either. I just never thought and, I'd get it played. Um, yeah. Just curious. I mean, I, I'm not suggesting that Kingmaker is a top 15 game, but I was just... <laughs> curious because when i think of a war of the roses game that's that's the other one i think of okay nice they just had a new version of it come out last year yeah yeah all right rich that was game number 75 how many more how many more games do we have to do well we got a choice we can either do 75 more or we can each 
put every game that either of us owns onto this list. Perfect. So, so that's at least 75 more yeah. because there's, yeah. There's or we could books. lose our gaming collection in a tragic fire and just be done. Why would you say that? <laughs> Why would we do that? <laughs> that's what insurance money is for. That's a gaming right. collection right. is not going to be gone for long. <laughs> with the nerds we are like it's so well documented you know it's like well one receipts are everywhere and two exactly. it's like yeah they do like a collection update once every yeah <laughs> nice yeah 75 more games to go we're gonna add two to the list next month we have another we also have a third we already have a game for march already picked about i'm not gonna spoil it we have a patron pick coming up that's gonna be really cool but before i get there we've already voted on the patrons pick for february which, Rich, you picked. This was your pick for the vote. So what are we playing next month? We're going to play Downfall, That's which so is the uh, the new Chad Jansen game that just came out. So awesome. It'll be interesting riding both of those. Like We're starting the year off so strong. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's going to go Plantagenet compared against Downfall compared to... Yes. We have an extra game. Yeah, so, so I mean, that's the thing. Plantagenet, which is now number 14 might will probably drop next month oh it'll drop next because month. not necessarily because of downfall not because of downfall but because of republic of rome yeah yes so knock on wood rich and i will be together with some buddies in a couple weekends yeah and we will be playing again republic of rome which if you didn't listen to our new to us and how many times we mentioned the words republic of rome last month you're missing out but yeah, we're going to do a little special broadcast thing to include Republic of Rome. We might even have a special guest to help us talk about Republic of Rome. It's going to be a double feature next Ooh, month. I didn't know about the special guest. Yeah, yeah, should be cool. Should be cool. So, yeah, February is going to be busy. If that is brought to you by our patrons who every month go to patreon.com slash history table and they vote in a little poll. Rich picks a game, I pick a game, and then we pad it with some other games. And Downfall, Downfall won by a landslide. Nice. This month, like sometimes there's a tie. It wasn't even close. That's Downfall a, just smokes. Yeah, the that's the hotness right now. It's yeah, yeah. So if you want to vote uh, before we record February's episode, we will get a poll out there, uh, taking into consideration that we only have one game for March. But anyways, February's going to be a good month. March is going to be a good month. We're off to a roaring start this year. All right, now is the point in the episode where we push all the war games off the table. And we talk about things that are almost war games or train games or RPGs or anything else. I want to talk about one of my 2024 resolutions, which was to play PAX Renaissance. I'll be playing that at Historic Fest. The game's already sold out. But PAX Ren is now on BGA in Alpha. And I got into a game with W.A. Wilson and other Casey Matt. And... W.A. Wilson mentioned that it is quite the departure from Pamir. So I watched a couple videos. I played a couple solo games on BGA. Now I have it set up on the table. And holy smokes. My first impressions are very high. It is a... It's got the trappings of Pax Pamir, right? Okay. You get two actions. You have a tableau, yada, yada, yada. But the there's so many things that trigger as you play cards. So it sounds... And, Similar to Porphyriana, it's looking yeah. for a specific condition at a specific time. Yes, and those conditions can change over time. And if no one gets it, then it's whoever has the most prestige, I believe, uh, mm -hmm. which are icons on the cards. 
But what's interesting is when you play a card, it's going to potentially trigger like a one-shot event, and it may put new pieces on the map, and it may cause like a peasant rebellion, or it'll be a queen that runs off and gets married. And as you like complete these battles, you'll take control of these kings, and you can maybe convert those to republics. It's just the... And then you can do like this trade route thing, but it's it's placing these pieces on the map to then set up those one shots to be effective. That right now, again, just with my solo plays and a few turns into opposed plays, playing asynchronous, it just feels the decision space just feels like really interwoven um, and more like complex. With like Pamir, you take the card, you play the card, and then you have these actions available to you, and that card will drop pieces on the map. Mm-hmm. But this is like dropping pieces as well as fighting a battle or dropping pieces and taking control of a king because you you like married him off to the queen you just played. And then you have this right tableau for the east and left tableau for the west. And when you take the actions on a card, you're taking the whole east tableau. It's not just one card. You're doing like five actions if you have five cards or something like that. Um, really, it's, it's fascinating. Um, I'm going to look forward to exploring the pants off of this throughout the year and then playing in person at kansas city very good pax renaissance now on bga on alpha yeah i'll have to check that one out yeah let me know i um like like uh like i was told it's not a like drop in and like point and click and see what happens now you can kind of point and click and see what happens because the undo is very generous which i appreciate like you can see like oh how will this peasant revolt um like what are the results of this peasant result? Because nothing's random. It's all, like, pre-calculated, so you know how it'll go. So you can, like, click through and see what will happen if you carry out your turn this way, and then you can just hit undo, which I really appreciate when I'm learning a game like this online. All right, before I do the uh, the Discord vote rundown and, and kind of talk about that, you got anything? Yeah, I, this was on Discord as well. Um, did you see the this Triumph Kickstarter? Yeah, from you, from Phalanx. Yeah, do you know anything about that game? Because, I mean, no. I mean, just, I think I saw like some game images beforehand. Yeah, it's being. But no, com- I haven't followed this at all. It's being compared, not in quality or depth or anything like that, but maybe sort of like a Republic of Rome light or anything. So I was curious about it. Um, I was just. Oh, that's curious. a bold. Yeah, I know. I mean, just to 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 mention Republic of Rome in the in that sentence is is attention getting so that's why i was curious to know if you knew anything about it because because i hadn't you know i gotta give it to them my general philosophy policy is don't kickstart phalanx games because i feel like in the past shipping has just like oh this will be our miniature market and then i get free shipping i don't remember shipping ever being like um what is 12 euros which is like i mean that seems fine for a uh for a board game they you know i mean it's failing so it's going to be like produced with all kinds of, of stuff in it but i just feel like in the past i've always been turned off by phalanx kickstarters because of <coughs> they're, they're kind of pretty high shipping costs to the united states so good for them i don't yeah. know how they worked it out but that seems much more reasonable than what I've experienced in the past. Yeah. I'll and if it wasn't that way in the past, I'm sorry I misremembered, but that's just the feeling I remember having. So I would be interested, but not really. I wonder why they switched away from GameFound. I feel like they, they did Purple Haze on GameFound. Now they're back on Kickstarter. I wonder what the switch was. Mm, I'm sure it's I don't know. all financial stuff. I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, speaking nice. of miniature market, though, you hear that their uh, Manchester location closed? 
I did hear that. Yeah. Uh, look, ever since they got bought out, I bought a couple things from them since the buyout, and they kept they kept sending me shit in those yellow envelopes that are like packed full of dust. It's not dust, obviously. It's like gray, <laughs> soft packing material, and they ruptured every time. So like my RPG books would just like. Once you open those up from the side, yeah, it's like you opened up like a chimney trap, well, and so like point. gets all over you. And then like my RPG books are covered in that shit. And so like I've complained to them, and I haven't done a lot huh. with them since then. I just they're they've kind of gone downhill since the buyout. I didn't even know that because obviously I always just pick it up. Um, but sure, yeah. What it means for us though is that right now St. Louis uh, Historical Gaming doesn't really have a place to play so mm. yeah they said they're moving further out west somewhere we don't know where um and we don't know when either or we don't know if they're going to have a game space for us so they do oh, have wow. another, another location out in uh st peter's it's a lot smaller the gaming lo- gaming space is not great so um i'm not sure what we're huh. going to do for the next few months interesting yeah oh sorry to hear that and i should say like i um what game what game did you get in the GMT sale that I got from Miniature Market that was was that downfall? Uh I think it was downfall. I got downfall in the sale, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, and like, I could I, have gone to Miniature Market yeah. and got it for five bucks less. I got so I grabbed downfall from Miniature Market because I was just like, I'm not gonna mess with the GMT sale on this. I think it's gonna be popular. Let me just like get my copy, yada. Like that came in a real box. But there was a string of RPG books and like dice and shit that came in the really shitty yellow envelopes packed full of shit. Um, that just kind of turned me off. So, you know what? You may go to Miniature Market and have a great experience. For the past, all of my experience at Miniature Market has been fantastic. But I got kind of turned off <coughs> from them a while ago. Anyways, could be great. You could have a great experience, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my obviously the best thing for me was that I always got free shopping because I could just go to the store and pick it up. So Of course, of course. Well, that's, hopefully- that's saving 10 or 15 bucks on every game I buy. Yeah, plus, you know, like, you walk into Miniature Market and sometimes they'll have a ding and dent that's in perfect condition that's, like, another 10 bucks off. Sometimes. It, it's funny, though, because you'll see the ding and dent. They'll have a game on the ding and dent, and they'll be like, oh, this is 40% off for 100 but the regular price is $120. And then 10 feet off, 10 feet next uh, uh, on the shelf away from it, you see that game is, like, 75 bucks. So yeah, Right, right. <laughs> All right, so history on the table. Does every war game ever list? Couple interesting. Uh, sorry, I closed it and now I'm scrambling to, to pull it back up. So we're in the round of 32. I don't think, I think the lowest remaining seed is Men of Iron Tri. No, American Revolution Tri Pack uh, is the lowest remaining seed at 37. Um, it and Men of Iron are going to get obliterated by Rhodes of Gettysburg and. On Richmond, too, is my prediction. As far as upsets, you mentioned there w- weren't many. Men of Iron, Tripack, upset Empire and Arms. I think that's probably just like a popularity thing. Just like most people probably haven't played Empire and Arms. And Few Acres of Snow upset Bloody April. That's like bottom of the barrel stuff. Fine games, but I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Slurno 43 up- upset Blitzkrieg Legend. I was a little surprised by that. And, uh,. Was it Stalingrad 42? That one lost, didn't it? It is. That is up today. Oh, losing no. to Atlantic I was Chase. Of a different one then. It's losing to Atlantic Chase. Oh. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Okay. That's probably. <clears throat> excuse me. 
that's what are we in? Oh, we're in round three now. Yeah, yeah, we're in the round of thirty-two now. Gotcha. Yeah. So what we're gonna do going forward? We're not gonna go through every result. There's a link in the Discord, all that stuff. Now the juicy matchups are happening. When we've crowned past champions, the very first year we did this a few years back, we did pub meeple rankings, and it took forever. And we combined series in GCACW one, then Pacific War one, and then we'll have this year's winner. What we're going to do going forward is eliminate those winners from the running. And then after we finish this bracket, we'll have masters of every war game ever list. So at the end of this year, we're going to pull off Roads to Gettysburg 2. We're going to treat that as the GCCW winner. We're going to pull off Pacific War and we'll pull off this winner as long as it's not one of those two. Um, And they'll enter the Hall of Champions. And then moving forward, that way it's not the same result. It's not Rhodes to Gettysburg crushing everything every year. <laughs> it's not the U.S. Civil War getting enshrined as the best war game every year. So I'm pretty excited about the Masters of the Every War Game Ever list. We'll continue to do, the, to do that. But if you want to vote and join the uh, shit-talking, you should join our Discord. There's a link down in the show notes. It's also the, be- also the best place to come hang out with us. Yep. Oh, Normandy 44 beat Sword of Rome. That was kind of... Oh, yeah, that's an upset. Yeah, yeah. None but heroes almost lost in the first round. <laughs> Time of crisis. Of all, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Guys, listeners, look. <laughs> mechanically, Time of Crisis is a fun game. I have a lot of problems with that game. None but heroes is so good. I don't, I don't think it'll get past Normandy 44. Ah, anyways. All right, Rich. Any thoughts, comments, concerns? Nope. No other thoughts from me. All right, folks. That is going to put a wrap on January. We record this on January 31st, so you'll probably hear this. <laughs> you will hear this in February. There's no way I'm recording it. Recording it tonight. <laughs> You're not going to get this out by midnight? No. No, <laughs> I do not believe so. So if you want to come talk to us, we have uh, uh, a Zinner and Blue Sky and all that stuff. But the best place, as always, is our Discord. Go to patreon.com slash history table. Don't forget to register often and register early for Historic Fest. Uh, next month, Republic of Rome, Downfall. We'll have March's vote coming up. Am I forgetting anything, Rich? Probably, but I don't remember it either. So Yeah, very good. All right, uh, Kansas City Game Day is February 24th. We're featuring Men of Iron. I'm going to be playing Norman Conquest, but you can play any Men of Iron game or any historical board game that you want to play. We play Tabletop Game and Hobby slash Cardboard Corner Cafe last Saturday of every month. It's open play. Drop in and out as you would like. Hope you can meet us there. Yeah, that St. Louis Game Day, TBA, we'll, uh, or TBD, we'll, we'll see what's going on. Um, you can still keep up to with us on the Facebook and on the discord pages. We'll continue the conversation there. I don't see anything happening this month for sure, especially since that's when I'll be at the, uh, the lake and next month. It just depends on what manage if, if miniature market is dragging their feet, not giving us a space, we'll probably look for something else. Maybe go to game night. Did you, didn't you start in your church? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that no longer an option? Uh, no, we could go there. Um, okay. it's, yeah i'm just trying to help you think i don't yeah. know you can always just pile into mitch's house <laughs> he's got a game table yeah play lots of copies of uh oh man it's forgetting me the i was thinking of a postcard game but just play a lot of postcard games <laughs> yeah yeah set up a dozen postcard games on his ping pong table yeah 
Battle of Mackinac Island. That's what I was trying to say. Now, also, folks, just as a quick aside before we finally wrap up, don't name your game game. So don't call yourself the Battle of St. Louis game <laughs> as your official title. Just call it the Battle of St. Louis. Like, I know, I get it, but it drives me nuts. We were talking about like doing another short game extravaganza, and Rich said Battle of St. Louis and sent the link. But it is the Battle of St. Louis game, both on the title of the game and on BGG. And I feel like the game's redundant. Don't do that. Just don't do that. It's the Battle of St. Louis game game. Anyways, that's it, folks. Everyone have a good night. Good night, everyone.